Hello, welcome to Dark Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is usually a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. But in these special bonus episodes, we are talking about the His Dark Materials TV series on BBC and HBO. Beware, these episodes are not spoiler free and may contain spoilers for the original HDM trilogy. So if you haven't read them all, pop back when you're all caught up. This week, we are discussing Season 3, Episode 1, The Enchanted Sleeper. Hello! It's time for Season 3! Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. Whenever Whenever you're you're ready. Honestly, I was reading that spoiler warning then, and I was thinking to myself, hmm, well, if you haven't yet read the amber spyglass and you want to read the amber spyglass would you be watching the tv show before you then read the amber spyglass if you are doing that please let us know because that's a very interesting way to go about it yeah i hadn't thought about that because we've always we've never been at the end this is it this is the crunch time people might be attempting to read along with the tv series and struggling because it it, it sure does bring some stuff forward and some stuff it really fucking does (laughs) but yeah here we are Season three. Who'd have thought it? Two years that we've gone without doing a two TV show episode. I ain't got a fucking clue what I'm doing here. I have <laughs> no idea what I'm doing. Nope. I'm actually really excited about it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> we do so much planning for the book episodes. I'm excited to just have an hour with my friend about a TV series that we are really yes. enjoying. Me too. So we've said this in a book episode, but this is our second time watching this particular episode and that is because we were invited to a press screening by yeah. the His Dark Materials PR team. And that was a couple of weeks ago now. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was a few weeks ago, but yeah. Yeah, time? I don't know what day it is. It's December, it's the month that mushes, so I don't know anything about yeah. anything anymore. <laughs> yeah, and we watched episodes one and two there back to back. And we also got to speak to Jack Thorne, Amir Wilson, Chen Tranter, and Dan McCulloch, uh, who yeah. are collectively writers, actors, and producers on His Dark Materials. And mm-hmm. what we've done with those little snippets of conversation, we mainly spoke to them about these two particular episodes, but there are some, I guess, conversations about further into the future of the episodes, even though we'd not seen them at the time. What we're going to do is we're going to pepper in those recordings into these tv show episodes when we think it's fit to do so so when we're chatting about a certain topic if we have info from one of the creators we're going to just slot it all in there if we can't do a very good segue it might just happen so so beware of that i'll put the little doodle doo doo in in the in the middle and you'll just be like oh something's about to happen yeah (laughs) also we did do these recordings on our road mic not fancy mm-hmm. as in road the brand but as in the, the mic that goes out on the road with us um and it was quite a crowded room quite a busy room so there will be you'll notice a shift in the audio quality when mm-hmm. we go into those clips because they are field recordings out in the wild so they're a little bit more rough and ready than what you're used to for hearing from us so yeah yeah so you'll also hear my hand rustling over the mic a few times because i was holding it for ages and my hand got tired <laughs> yeah it's some real real life problems right here yes (laughs) yes for sure so i don't think there's like 
anything else we need to say i guess before we get into these episodes other than i yeah. i guess we've said it in the book episodes but we are only doing tv show episodes now until almost the end of february well the end of february and then we'll come back with our book episodes because it's just too much for us to do it all at once yeah for anyone that only tunes in for the TV series episodes, hello again. Hello. Oh my God, it's been two years. How have you been? It's been so long. <laughs> where have you been? How have you been and where have you been? Why didn't you just listen to all of our book episodes? Come on. Oh, come on. <laughs> for those folks who do only tune in for the TV show episodes, we've done some exciting stuff while mm. you've been gone, mm-hmm. including merch. Oh, we now yes. have some really awesome t-shirts that you can find in our shop at hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop or hdmpod.bigcartel.com I think yes I think so (laughs) and yeah we've got t-shirts it's really cool we have like a monthly ordering system Mm -hmm. so when you place an order during a month it gets printed in at the beginning of the following month it means that we can stock a variety of sizes and also just be really eco about how we do it because we don't want to print more t-shirts than we need so we print everything to order and Faye lovingly ships them out with the lovely handwritten postcard I it do. is great I do <laughs> if you can read my handwritten write in well done because it's awful yes. <laughs> I guess one other thing to say is that this episode we're recording quite far in advance but we will have actually been to the premiere of uh, (laughs) season three um, at the BFI. Um, So when we have an episode far enough in the future, I think actually the next episode we'll probably be able to tell you about it. Um, I think we're recording that a couple of days after we do it, but we'll tell you all about that. Um, Hopefully we'll be merry and have lots of selfies with people if we feel up to asking them for one. (laughs) Oh my God. So exciting. Maybe I'll pluck up the confidence to do like an Instagram live or something. I don't know. Hell yeah. Maybe. Ew. 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 (laughs) Yeah. No, very exciting. Very the fanciest thing I've ever done. Yes. Probably. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Should we talk about this episode? Oh my God. I guess so. We don't have a summary we don't have anything i love how rough and ready yeah. i'm so used to having so many segments i know no segments for you this time in the book episodes we're so like meticulous with like everything that we do we're just let loose in these ones i'm so excited let's start with the previously ons that were yes. literally everything happened oh my god honestly <laughs> absolute props to whoever put that previously on together because it was so good like i was thinking about people that maybe had not read the book so haven't been with the series for two years that was so well done yeah did you like i don't know who put it together because i don't think this is how the audio actually lined up with the actual image in the season but there's a bit where lyra's introducing herself to mary and she goes i'm lyra silvertongue and she like flicks the alethiometer open <laughs> like a police opening their like fbi badge like the fbi yeah i'm lyra silvertongue, I'm lyra silvertongue. FBI. just like <laughs> if you get a chance to go back and watch that intro that is definitely and it's not how it lines up in it when it actually i love that in the episode they've just they put that audio with that her opening the alethiometer and i'm like whoever did that a little clap for you <laughs> <laughs> love that. I love that. Also, that's the first time we've seen that previously on because they didn't share that when we saw the screener. They didn't, did they? Um, and I, I did enjoy it because yeah. everyone looks like fucking babies. Like it's been what, like three or four years, I guess, since they would have would have at least yeah. filmed the first season. We got some choice quotes. We've got "She's your mother, Lyra." Yes, I, I was like, oh my god, Mark Costa. Mark Costa. It was, it was 
funny to me when I was like, the moment I realized we were getting like the full, this is everything that's fucking happened was when it was like, I'm Lee Scorsby. And I was like, oh, fuck, <laughs> we're, we're getting the whole story. I can fight and I can fly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, so good. So much fun. Yeah, truly. <laughs> kind of makes me want to go back and watch again from the beginning, but we've seen them so many times now. <laughs> Honestly, we have seen them so many times. I think I will do it again, but a, a long time in the future, yeah. I think. That's another point. I should have said this before we got into it, but we're mm. embracing the chaotic energy. Yeah. If you are watching season three and you're like, oh, none of my friends are watching at the same time as me, get in our Patreon, get on our Discord. Mm-hmm. We have very meticulously planned out watch along channels for the different air dates so that you it was if so difficult watch, yeah so very difficult to organize but if you want like-minded hdm fans to chat with as you're watching the episodes when they air live when they live when they live when, when they're, they're on when, when they're, they're on, on the air, when they're on yeah <laughs> um then we have little chat groups going on in our patreon discord and it is so much fun it really is it's a lot of fun we woke up this morning after the first two episodes had aired on hbo and we, i was like oh my god there's lots of people talking about yeah. it and now we can talk about it just looking Yay. through the group chat like oh i have so many feelings yes <laughs> and then i'm yes. excited to go through it all again when it actually airs on the bbc and all of our uk folks can have, yeah. like have their feelings and it's like oh so exciting oh, it's so great okay so okay. thank you for that because i would have forgotten to say that so well no done <laughs> the intro to this episode is quite clever i thought because it gives us that um I feel like in the first two seasons, the authority is always kind of, and it's the same in the books, isn't it? The authority is always kind of looming, but you don't know that much about it. Um, And to get that kind of similar, when we're in season two, when we had the explanation of the knife, like kind of that vibe to like really cement us into what the authority is, who the yeah, authority is. Yeah, a little is. bit less Lord of the Rings than the knife yes. intro from season two, but still like very, just in case you weren't sure, this is a fantasy show like a fantasy genre intro and like all the like angel imagery was really cool i loved how it was like a little bit watercolory and illustration Mm -hmm. and like it feels the vibe of it um felt very ethereal and like i wonder how that's gonna play through the rest of the show like if that kind of imagery pops back up again for sure (laughs) who knows maybe we do (laughs) (laughs) what i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so i love that we get to see chitagatsu again for like a hot minute yeah it was really nice to go back it's like, remember this amazing set that we made <laughs> yes we want to show it you one more time yes. before we go gotta get that gotta get those minutes in <laughs> yes for sure and i guess like the focus on will i really enjoyed this episode like the jump from seeing him with lyra constantly in season two to then him being on his own his own mm-hmm. and with new characters i think it I think it's like a a really like good like jump forward for Amir. Like I think he, it really shows his skill, like his skills and how he's improved. Yeah, it's almost like back to season one. Will yeah, considering we yeah, didn't yeah. get him in book one, we got him in season one, and that's when he was on his own. It was just season two that was all with Lyra. So yeah, that's true. Fun. I did lol at him opening the alethiometer and being like, help me. What is she? Help me. (laughs) There's little buttons, Will. There's little dials. (laughs) You can't just scream at it and hope for an answer. (laughs) Oh, God. It did make me laugh there. And 
Lyra looking so grown up. So like Daphne has grown up so much. But also like so grown up, also so small because she's in those lovely pajamas. <laughs> lovely pajamas. You probably reminded pajamas. me of like pajamas that your mum or dad would get you for Christmas. Yeah, proper like, oh, you're going to sleep over at your nan's house. Don't forget to wear your yes. nice pajamas. <laughs> yes, like, for sure. Yeah. Oh. And I think like the like kind of no man's land-ish area that she's in when she's like screaming for Roger yeah. is very intriguing to me. It's very like industrial and like sandy <laughs> and i like kind of want to know yeah where they like where that came from i guess yeah because it's very different how we get it in the books in the books it's very much more just like foggy and misty mm-hmm. and like not as solid whereas this feels quite brutal like yes literally like brutalist architecture vibes are like all very very industrial which is quite cool mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. very different to how we see that space that dream space described in the books and also obviously interesting to know that pan's not with her in those dreams and her screaming is so good daphne we knew she could do a good guttural scream but the amount of time she gets to scream roger roger (laughs) also we have to address not to do an alexandra book but we have to address the elephant in the room Roger's voice has dropped like 10 meters and he looks so much older. Aww. Like, it's so funny. Like, Lewin Lloyd has grown up so much and I know that you can't get around it. Like, it's fine. We can, like, we can, like, uh, what's the word? Suspend our, like, disbelief. Yes, yeah. But it's just, it is funny. It's the same with it Pan when he, like, yeah. speaks and he's like, I know that he had a little bit of a voice drop in season two, but it's like fully mm-hmm. just like, who is this adult man that is talking to Mrs. Colto when like Lyra's like kind of half staring and Pan's like, why won't you let us go? It's like, where, where is this adult man in this room? Oh, it's that small white ermine. Yeah. <laughs> it's just Pan's um, a man. Pan's <laughs> a man. Played by Kit Connor. Yeah. Who is uh, now, I guess, found fame and heart stuff. I've not seen that. I haven't seen I've seen a couple of episodes, I think. But yeah, I kind of love that like he's always been Pan, but like, because we couldn't put a face to the voice in yeah. the season. And then he's like gone and got like his face famous elsewhere. But we're like, <laughs> we're, we're here for the voice. <laughs> now he's face famous, he's, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's yeah. voice famous and face famous, I'm sure. I'm sure that's a thing, right? It's industry terminology. Sure. Absolutely. 100%. Um, and then I guess we should talk about the new titles. Yes. We get a new title sequence. Mm. And... I'm going to, I guess, like, say one negative thing and then one really positive Ooh, thing about these titles. Tell me. Um, the Intention Craft. Oh, my God. It looks like the TARDIS. <laughs> yeah. It's very Doctor Who. Very Doctor Who. And I don't hate the Intention Craft being in the titles. I just think it's a, maybe a little bit too much. Like, a little bit. It's not as subtle, lol, as it could have been. Yeah. Is it like Because everything in the title sequence is actually quite subtle. But that really sticks out. But on the other hand, when I saw the Malefa world in the titles, it, it made me well up. Yeah, so, just that transition know. of like the glowing, glittering, and you can't quite mm-hmm. tell that they're trees until it like solidifies yeah. into the images it's going to be. And it's like, oh. And you just, there's like yeah. a slight like kind of, you can just about see like a silhouette of like the Malefa on the, on the, on the ground. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, no, the yeah. intention craft feels out of place, but I think tonally and i get maybe they deliberately were like fuck it we will just tardis it up because it feels exactly like a doctor who like the intro mm-hmm. because the tardis does it's very blue it's very purple and Do- the doctor who intro 
I think mm. it is anyway. And the TARDIS does just like spin along on like a swirling screen. And that's kind of just what the intention craft is doing. It's the whole of the title sequence is really like quite a warm color palette. Mm-hmm. And then when the intention craft comes through, it feels quite, it's like a slight, quite a diff- tonal shift. It goes to like a really cool yeah. palette and then switch, switches back to warm again. So I wonder if they kind of, because I know Bad Wolf is pretty, pretty Doctor Who orientated they they make yeah. it so like they maybe they were True. just like oh let's do our own little doctor who reference for the people that are like fans of bad wolf and what we make so that's true yeah. and if if that's the case then great yeah like but yeah i was just like okay intention craft vibes i think also just because like the intention craft i'm not a massive fan of it anyway probably just because it's asriel's thing yeah. but the moment just we like, open okay. on that scene with asriel driving the intention craft and i'm like oh yeah. here's dad with his midlife crisis car and it yeah. looks like the tardis but like someone stuck a whisk on top of the tardis <laughs> i love the intention craft it's great but it looks like someone stuck a whisk on top of the tardis <laughs> yeah yeah for sure for sure and like yeah and i guess that like we get asriel i will say that I think Asriel, James McAvoy as Asriel is like 100% like perfect casting. Like I think he plays such a good Asriel and I love seeing him play Asriel. Like I'm not like, whenever we get to Asriel in the books, I'm a bit like, oh God, it's an Asriel chapter and I can't be bothered. But when I see James McAvoy, I'm like, I'm in, I'm into it. Because you never know, like the writing is obviously really, really good mm-hmm. in his dark materials. But also the line delivery, especially from Ruth and James, you never know where they're going to go with it, I think. And you're always a bit on your toes. So I'm always really like on it with his scenes. I'm like, here he is. Here's daddy with his man bun. Oh my God. The hair. The hair. That hair. The perfectly quaffed, but also I'm so rugged. Yes. But also very quaffed. Look at how much my hair's grown since season one. (laughs) I went away and and now I hold a gun really confidently and march around like I'm an army boy. Um, yeah yes uh very yeah the Azrael vibes are ardent I really love that you can you can see that James McAvoy knows that Azrael's a dickhead yeah you know know he's playing him as an absolute dickhead and like but at the same time as a dickhead with the absolute conviction that he is doing the right thing which he is he's leading this you know, he explains his mission to Ogunwe and we're like, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just his like lack of giving a shit about Lyra, about being a dad, about anyone yeah. that isn't his grand mission. And he's so fucking proud of himself all the time that you want to slap him in the face. And that's how you know James McAvoy is a great actor. Are you liking how I'm pausing? I've just yes, I was literally just going to bring it up. I have a confession to make. <laughs> My super fun little like kind of dyslexia brain for years and years and years i've not had to say james mcavoy's name many many times (laughs) in my life and now he's in this bloody tv series (laughs) and the capital a in the middle of the word makes my brain go james mcavoy and so Mm -hmm. i've been saying james mcavoy in my head for years and that feels right for me but it's definitely not how his name is pronounced and now i'm gonna have to get used to saying james mcavoy not mcavoy mcavoy you got this i know you got it i guess on the topic of asriel and james mcavoy we did get a little soundbite i believe it's from let me just double check it's from jane Mm -hmm. jane talks about 
fleshing out Asriel's story across the season, this all of the seasons, because obviously in the books we barely see him, um, but especially with season three, we are obviously gearing up to see a lot of him. So we can play that clip from Jane. Yeah. Now, on this season, he's he said to us. I remember he said. Jane, I, I fear I've left you with a pile of problems. And I was kind of like, oh, yeah, Malefa, Galavespians, angels. And he was, no, I mean Asriel. You know, Asriel is this kind of huge character in in the book who is known about through reputation and about people speaking about him, but he doesn't actually appear until much later on. And so we came up with the idea of of have seeing Asriel earlier than you see him in the book mm. in order to be able to see him build the Republic. So when you get to catching up with where he is in the book and what's happening, you understand what his mission is and, and what it's all about rather than having other people talk about it. And all of that we run through with Philip. Yes, Jane! <laughs> Yay, thank you, Jane. Thank yeah. you, Jane. Um, I guess while we're on Asriel, it makes sense to talk about a gunway. Yeah. I love how they've just taken this whole, oh shit, we haven't seen Asriel for a whole season. We need to flesh out his storyline. How can we do that? This is a good one. He seems like a cool guy. Let's find out how he got on the team and have that as a... So cool. So cool. Yes. Yes. I That was one of my favourite things from the first two episodes was the fleshing out of a Gunway story because in the books we kind of know next to nothing mm-hmm. about him. Um, and also the fact of him having a family and having two daughters and seeing him interact with those daughters, which... Being a good dad. (laughs) And being a good dad. And we'll get into... I mean, no spoilers for the episodes, but we'll get into that more next episode. Mm. Um, But we also did ask uh, Jack about the fleshing out of a Gunway story. So we can play that clip Yeah. One of my uh, favourite parts of the first two episodes there was the padding out of a Gunway's backstory. And I was wondering what the process was with that. A lot of, a lot of talking, a lot of working things out. Um, uh, you know, we made a decision quite early on that he wasn't going to be royalty. Um, and then it was a case of working out what his reality was in relation to that. And uh, and some of it's me and some of it's Amelia, who's brilliant. Um, uh, uh, and, and a lot of it was just talking as a group and just trying to build that history around him so that... that we had a, a complex world in which he existed uh, and then a complex world that Asriel came in and disrupted and then and then why he was attracted to Asriel became the central question and, and we kept on talking about that and, and Nonzi kept on uh, pushing us on that and and and, um, and hopefully we found a good, good way through it. I love that we have these little clips to put in. It's so cool. Makes you feel really fancy. It is very cute. <laughs> it does, right? <laughs> We have to talk about Mrs. Coulter and Lyra and Amma. The place where she's keeping Lyra. So, I want to go to that. Real, I, that's okay. When we get to chat to hopefully Joel Collins again, maybe mm-hmm. we can ask him about like that location. Was it built? Is it? Does it mm-hmm. exist? I could just Google this. I'm sure I could. Like, but oh, it's I, so beautiful. I would, it's so nice. So beautiful. Um, and it's definitely cozier than yeah. a cave, I guess. Yeah, a definite location um, shift there. We're definitely in, mm-hmm. I would hazard to say, a little bit of the Welsh coastline <laughs> as opposed to <laughs> the Himalayas, um, like we are in the books. I can definitely see that that was a very clever budgeting choice to 
put that somewhere that could exist on the English coast because there are probably more efficient ways to spend some of that budget than trying to sort out a massive, you know, <clears throat> mountain climbing waterfall scene um, when you could just have a yeah. really gorgeous bit of coastline and a really cool concept of having it be just this like single tiny chapel in a cove is very beautiful yeah, for sure. and just really nicely I don't know really nicely shot all the shots zooming in and zooming out mm-hmm. of it they must have had so much fun <laughs> no 100% it's so nice and one of the things that I I think that's probably my favorite bit of this episode is watching Amma and Mrs Coulter interact uh, Amma is deaf and they use sign language I'm actually not sure whether it's BSL or ASL. I feel like somebody in our Discord maybe said it was yeah, ASL. Yeah, we should double check that. Um, but the and the actress who plays Amma is also deaf, and so they did have um, a sign interpreter on set as well. And there's a great little conversation mm-hmm. that um, Amir had with us, where he mentioned uh, how much he enjoyed his scenes yes. with her, and uh, which I guess we could pop in here if we wanted. So I think what we should do is we we asked jack also about the decision to include amma um as a deaf girl um and to use sign language so i think we should we'll play that clip first and then we'll play the amir yes. clip yes, straight after we've been talking about getting because it's my passion we've been talking about ways to get visibility into the show for a very long time and we've had disabled people in and around the show but we've never fr- been front-footed about it and that's always been a bit of a frustration and then Jane, Jane came up with the idea of having Amma as a, 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 a young deaf girl. And that was absolutely revelatory, I, I thought, and, and, and hugely brilliant. And then it was, how does, how does she communicate with Mrs Coulter? And we went through all sorts of different things. You know, the demons could talk to each other. They, they could do all sorts of different ways to make that work. Um, and I invented this whole backstory involving Mrs Coulter's grandmother that went on and on and on <laughs> and uh, uh, took a lot of explaining and wasn't very good it's a spin-off series yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, and then and then it was just well Mrs Coulter Mrs Coulter no sign because Mrs Coulter get got taught sign and the reason why she got taught sign is because in Philip Pullman's uh, in Lyra's world uh, um, sign is like a, a language, like like French and German that you would learn in schools as an act of sophistication, and that as soon as that became the case, everything else opened up. and And why wouldn't that be the case? And uh, and I think implicit within that is um, why isn't that the case in our country? Yeah. Um, because it would it would change a lot of things very rapidly if it just if there were just some sign sign lessons in school every now and again. And I think everyone would benefit from it. But on the topic of Amma, I mean, the actress who plays Amma was so so sweet. I mean, she had a translator on set with her, and she was honestly like the, the sweet girl. She was so happy to be there. She was teaching me bits of sign, and it was it was it was kind of a. It was really nice that I think that decision was a great decision on you guys' behalf because it was it was great and she was great. It was I think it was our first ever acting gig as well. She'd never done anything before that and as you guys can see she is incredible. Oh my god. It's like this episode, you're getting our voices, but you're also getting you're getting information from it's the really source, cool. you know? Like it's it's cool. <laughs> I'm right? just putting this whole episode patting myself on the back. <laughs> we showed up, we brought our microphone and we asked some good questions. <laughs> yes, we did. So we have some first we have some angels and then we have some galvespians so which ones do we want to talk about first uh who do we see first 
I guess we... I mean, don't ask me, because I can't remember the literally order of have things. watched this episode twice and have watched literally watched the episode in the last two hours, and I can't remember the order of the scenes. <laughs> I think it's the angels. Yeah. I think it's the angels. So we, we see them kind of, like, following Will. I love that they've kept with, like, the shimmery effect that we had with Mary mm-hmm. in season two, which was one of my favourite shots of the entire series when Mary sat on that log and you can see like the angel like shimmering behind her. We've kept that, but now, because the angels have to actually be characters, mm-hmm. we see them in human form. Yeah. And we, we meet Balthamos. Yeah, not Balthamos. Balthamos, not Balthamos. 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 And Baruch. Yeah. And... What do we think of Balthamos and Baruch? Okay, so the one, not the one part I love, I do love a lot about them. One of the parts of the design and costuming that I really enjoyed was the first time we see them and there they go from like full shimmery, shimmery angel into humans. The way the wings mm-hmm. fall, they the wings kind of turn into the drapes of their costume. So it's like they're yes. like cloaking in their drapery is the wings as they fold up which is quite cool i liked mm-hmm. that detail yeah um their costuming is a little bit star warsy for me they they give a lot mm-hmm. of like ray in the force awakens energy with the like the wrappings and like tonally yes still very cool but it's it's giving like a little bit stars and they bloody love that gold bronzer <laughs> Uh, they do, don't they? They fucking do, honestly. 100% get where the makeup department was coming from with that because they definitely, there's yeah. so much description in the books of them being lit with a light from another world or being lit by like a golden yes. light. So I can see why they were like, we need yeah. to pick up all the highlights of their face with gold. And I can also see that, like, oh, cool. So Bal- Balthamos. <laughs> Balthamos is Balthamos. older than Baruch, and Baruch is ever so slightly less shiny mm-hmm. in person than Balthamos. Yeah. And, like, there might be varying levels of angel shininess for us to analyze <laughs> um, as yeah. we go forward. Yeah, I th- yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know if it takes me out of it or not how shiny they are. Maybe it's supposed to, because they're supposed to be a bit like otherworldly and weird. Yeah. It's inter- it's interesting because I honestly I feel they've obviously done this on purpose. Baruch is so sweet. Yeah. So warm. Such a little sweetie. Such a little sweetie. Because we're gonna have to see him die. So yeah. thanks for that. But he's super sweet and lovely. I guess I feel like it's early days, mm. I guess. Um but we could there could be more sass from Balthamos. I read Balthamos very sarcastic. And I feel like yeah. the portrayal we're getting is much more neutral or deadpan than it is like mm. sassy yes. and sarcastic. Like I'm not getting yeah. chat back. I'm getting nothing bothers me as opposed to chat back. Yeah. Like, mm, I don't know. Like we've had a little bit. There was like, there's like one line in there mm-hmm. where he's just like, think it's when baruch's like i i'm gonna go and he's like hey i didn't agree to stay with this kid but he's very yes. like composed oh yeah yeah it's interesting is it because there's another line where he's saying to will that um i can't remember exactly mm. the words but he's like lyra might be lying about reading the alethiometer and i guess like that's similar that's similar vibes that could have been a more that feels more deadpan rather than it does sassy yeah. i guess yeah interesting 
Yeah, I haven't mm. quite settled on it. The one thing I will say I did enjoy is that when they smooched, it was sparkly. Yes, I loved that. And I also loved the really nice shot of Amia's face in focus and them out of focus in the background and Amia at will looking away because it's such an intimate moment. I yeah. really liked that. Like you could see like in like Will's face the kind of simultaneously the like admiration but also the like kind of embarrassment that a teenager would have at looking at two adults kissing Um, and I I did really enjoy that it's such a brief period of time that we do get to spend with Balthamos and Baruch and Mm -hmm. it is a relationship that means so much to the fans um, that we did yeah. ask, we did, we did ask Dan about one of the producers, Dan Dan McCulloch, about mm-hmm. that relationship on screen and how important they felt it was to bring it to us. So we will play that clip. Roll the clip. You know, for a start, it's you know the actors kind of just deliver on, on that. They 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 put real thought and real work into uh, costume, into look, into you know, and and, and makeup and hair. That was all kind of that was thought through to within an inch of his life. And, you know, you saw what Jane said about the pressure of, you know, realising kind of immortal, you know, uh, people in love. You know, and I think I think what I see in those two is they're, they've been around for thousands of years and, and yet, you know, they decide what the right thing to do is. They decide and they, and they know that it might end in some kind of sacrifice. Um, and I think you see that in the performance i think i think their decisions to do the more difficult thing when they when they could not when they could you know carry on being angels carry on being uh, watchers and observers to the human race when at the point they actually decide that that there is something right so you, that's the moment i think where you reveal the gravity of their relationship and the gravity of their separation and what it means to them um and yeah we had to do it very quickly but i, I think that's that's how we did it is the meaning of them having to part was so huge um that you know that somehow it's there within the writing and the performance, I think. So, Galvespians. Yes. Thoughts. So we've only seen what we assume, because I don't even think he is, is he named in this episode, what we assume is Lord Rook. I don't know if he's, if I can't remember. Memory of a goldfish, memory of a sieve. Yes, I yeah. think it's Lord Rook. We definitely see more than one Gal. Yeah, we definitely see more than one Galvespian. We see Lord Azrael and what can only be described as the drone squad. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> coming in like a bunch of little helicopters. Yeah. We see no dragonflies. No dragonflies. They have like little backpacks, right? That have like I guess mechanical yeah. wings. Very much like little mechanical backpack wing vibes. Which I will say, I do much prefer to. At first, from the trailers, I was like, they've not given them fairy wings, have they? Because mm-hmm. it just wouldn't quite be. I'm sure Philip Pullman's many universes do somewhere have the fey folk but i don't think that anyone would have been happy if the galavespians were basically fairies so i'm really glad that they are just tiny and they have very cool technology to help them fly i can see why they didn't want to animate dragonflies on top of everything else this season and the tiny backpacks would simplify everything i can see that i can see that i'm fine yeah (laughs) for sure they're very like leathery and suave it's uh, from what we've seen so far futuristic matrix secret service energy it's i it's very like i think to, i might have said this to you separately or maybe i described this as something else but it's very like uh 80s german synth yes. pop band vibes Ooh, yes <laughs> very much yeah. so just pop on some tiny sunglasses and give them like a massive soundboard 
and get those get those laser mm-hmm. that laser show on. Uh, but I'm not. I don't hate it. Like I, I'm fine with it. Like I think it's quite yeah. a cool addition, to be honest. Yeah, I can see it. <laughs> oh God! Now we have to talk about fucking speaking of failure, Father President McPhail. Actually, Father President. Um, yeah, we are with some very epic panning shots in the heart of the Magisterium in Geneva. I don't think we've yeah. been to Geneva before. I think we've seen Magisterium buildings in oxford but i don't think we've been to geneva before, yeah so there's a lot of really cool establishing shots of like it's fucking big this is like vatican times yeah. a million like very cool mm-hmm. very cool buildings very epic in terms of like the set there mm-hmm. as well the way that it's seen yeah. like the scenery and stuff lots of big cool creepy old structures and stuff and lots yeah. of fancy new uniforms for the magisterium people to wear Truly, Macphalia has a brand new shiny, shiny pendant and robe. Very into it. He does. <laughs> Loving magenta. Yeah. Love the magenta vibe. Um, we meet like three new, I guess, boys. No, <laughs> three new boys. Three new boys. Um, they're talking about basically this scene is just to introduce Daddy Gomez. Mm-hmm. We'll get onto that. But they're talking about a book being heretic, and I think. McPhail's like, oh, it's poems. I think he says it's yeah, poems. Yeah, he just says it's poetry. Yeah, I'm like, I wonder what it was. What book yeah. they thought of when they were writing that? If they had a particular book in mind, or if they just thought, oh, well, yeah, you know, because basically we we're fed that scene to meet Father Gomez and for him to be like, I think you should fucking whip him in public, mate. And then we know that it's bad news, but he's also a daddy. So what are we supposed to do? Just that soft <laughs> soft voice coming from that soft soft face mm-hmm. and just saying whipping <laughs> i wasn't expecting it okay honestly i wasn't expecting quite so much punishment talk and you know what i wasn't expecting from him in the first fucking episode was for him to like bite his knuckle oh like my a, god when, when he leaves the room with a fra pavel and fucking like leans against the wall and bites his knuckle because what it was so intense for him Excuse me? They're right. I, I I really fucking wish that they've purposely done this. But there's so much sexual tension in the room with him and McPhail, and there's so much sexual tension in the room with him and Fra Parvel that I'm like, that has got to be done on purpose. Or it's just me projecting my own sexual tension with Gomez onto these characters. No. No. Everybody there knows that like that man is too beautiful <laughs> just too pretty Honestly. to be that evil as well like i think truly and that was part of the thing i think with the casting choices we did we might have we might have asked dan mcculloch why we literally asked dan why is gomez so hot <laughs> but why why is he daddy though and he had a great answer for us so i guess we can play that if we want <laughs> yeah yeah we can play that why is he a hottie? He's uh, he's not a hottie in the books. He's a, he's a creep in the books. He's a in the books he reads as like slimy and. He has quite a beautiful demon like... though, doesn't he? Oh, I can't from my from my from yeah, I might be kind of like rewriting history, but I think I think why do we cast him as a hottie? That's a really good question. I think we wanted to be confused by Gomez. I think we'd all, oh, we we'd all... confused. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> good, good. I mean, that's kind of what we went for. We we you know what we did is we took um, McPhail's storyline from the third book and we stretched it over three seasons. Yeah. Um, and I think Will Keane kind of basically in terms of like you know crazed despot, you know fundamentalist, you know 
you know, belief above anything else, no matter what he's faced with in terms of truth or reason. Just this utter, utter uh, fanaticism um, is the story that we wanted to tell. With Gomez, we had a short amount of time to tell a slightly different story. We wanted to tell the story of someone who um, who who unnerves you. He, you know, you can, you could, you could, you know, sometimes I think about like Jude Law and Road to Perdition. You could get like, you know, cast someone who's creepy looking and think make them creepy, but it's just far more interesting to keep someone who's actually quite attractive and somebody might want around and he might be the answer to, to McPhail in some ways. He might be the challenge to McPhail and he, he does go he does go toe toe with McPhail late in the series. He's a new generation. But the fact that he's someone who should be you, you feel like he, he he should be a safer person. He should be someone um, who, who you feel safe around him and you start to realise that that's just not going to happen. He's not going to go that way. It, it, it kind of builds and builds toward the, towards the end of the series. Oh, yes, Daddy Gomez. So there you have it. They did it deliberately, mm -hmm. kind of, mm. sort of. Maybe they didn't quite know what they were doing specifically to us, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> but they knew. they knew. They knew that they were casting a hottie, mm -hmm. a certified hottie. They knew that the internet was going to run with Daddy Gomez. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Also, Daddy Gomez, Father Gomez, is played by Jamie Ward. Yes. So well done, Jamie Ward. You smashed it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Come and talk to us anytime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. We'll have you on her podcast anytime. What an interview that would be. Also, can I just say, I love the reveal of his demon. Um, yeah. When we find out that it's a big, gross, horrible, creepy spider that's mm -hmm. like kind of weirdly pale and I hate it. Um, mm. Is literally as he's like saying the creepiest shit about like the harshest punishment and the torture. And it's like, and you're like, oh, but he looks so sweet. And then he starts saying the horrible stuff and then his demon appears and his demon is a spider and it's that meme, um, that Mitchell and Webb look meme where, they, where they've got the skulls in their hats yeah. and they're like, are we the bad guys? Are we the bad <laughs> like guys? The spider appears and is like, are yeah. we the bad guys? <laughs> yes, yeah. you are. Yes. Yes, you are. So his demon in the book is a beetle. Mm -hmm. I Googled it because we were talking about this, weren't we? Because we knew they had changed his demon, but we didn't know what they'd changed it from. Yeah. And I like, I like that they've gone with with a big creepy spider. I wonder if they did it partly because they use a spy fly in this episode and just to like get a bit of differentiation between yeah. his demon and a spy fly. Yeah, potentially. That's a good shout. Yeah. So, Azriel, we're back with Azriel. He's trying to bond with the Gunway yes. over his daughter and I'm like, you don't even care about your fucking daughter, mate, honestly. Oh my God, when he's just like, you he says like, oh, you've got a lovely daughter or like, oh, how long has it been since you've seen your daughter or something? He gives like a really weird dad compliment and it's like, from you, that means nothing. Yeah, a hundred percent, absolutely. Um, I think there's like a little bit of like, he, and you can see it, like he clearly recognises that that is a relationship he could have had I don't mm -hmm. think it's something that he's looking at and wishing he did have I think he mm -hmm. just recognises it as potential that was there that he chose not to fulfil if that makes sense because yeah. like there is there is like, some wistfulness there but it's not like oh mm. a wistful regret for the way he's treated Lyra like he's still shit when it comes to Lyra like yeah, yeah. for sure for sure so the authority is the authority called the authority in all worlds? Because, like, it's not in our world. Because, like, Asriel talks to Agunwe about the authority and Agunwe knows that it's the authority, if that makes sense, but they're from different yeah, worlds. Yeah, I think... Interesting. I hadn't really thought about it because I feel like they do such a good job of, like, slipping between because 
in a Gunways world, the Magisterium is called the Temple. Yes. And Asriel does a really good job of reading, oh, that's their Magisterium. And I think he does mm-hmm. some, quite a good job of explaining that the Magisterium is their temple. And so, like, maybe it's just the way that he says it with enough of a capital A that is just understood. Yeah. Like, the capitalization of it is just understood as being like, yes, it is that highest power thing. Yeah. 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 We do get a really good bit of what I thought was a really good bit of exposition in this episode. So we see a Gunway's a really clever bit of exposition, mm-hmm. I think. We see a Gunway's daughter, Arya, who he describes it as being a servant of the temple. The temple have taken her mm-hmm. and now all she is is a servant of the temple. Asriel comes in, recognizes immediately that she has been severed from her demon. Even though she doesn't have a demon on the outside, it's on the inside, as we know. They do this really well. Because I imagine there are a lot of people that haven't read the books, that have watched the series, and the word demon obviously means something else. And Asriel says, she's been severed from a demon, and a gunway says, she's not demonic. And Asriel's like, no, no, let me explain. I, I apologise, let me explain to you. And that is just, I guess, a really good way of re-explaining what demons are and how they relate to us and what happens when they're severed and also the difference between something being a demon that is demonic and a demon in Azrael's world. Yeah, and like finally a gunway understands why the fuck Azrael has a talking cat with him because I yes. love how much he takes it in his stride in that first scene when we yeah, get to meet him in the like, prison break and he's just like and the cats and and the leopard speaks and he just kind of you can just see um such great like micro facial expressions mm-hmm. of just like glancing down at the cat and being like I'm going to play it cool that that cat just spoke. How very strange. <laughs> just like carrying on, but just like clocking it and then being like, I'll, f- I'll find yeah. out eventually. It's so great. Oh, LMP. Hi, babes. Oh my God. Hi, LMP. LMP is back and Brian is back. Hi, Brian. Brian is back. If you've not tuned in for a TV episode in a really long time, you won't know that we are now absolutely obsessed with Brian Fisher, who is the mm-hmm. puppeteer and puppet maker and head of the puppet shop for his doll materials and he puppeteers the golden monkey we met him at a in-depth mrs coulter it was like a costume retrospective and an interview with ruth wilson at the bfi that we went to watch and there was like a little costume retrospective there with caroline mccall and Mm -hmm. brian was there as well and then he brought the monkey and we got to meet the monkey and we got to meet brian and he was absolutely lovely We love Brian. And we do have an episode on that back in our feed if you want to go and listen to it. We also met him at Hair Festival, right? But we, yeah. And honestly, Brian, we love you so much. We cannot wait to have you on a full episode of the podcast. Mm -hmm. But we were talking about how now when we see LMP on screen, we just see you, Brian. Yeah, we just imagine. (laughs) I'm talking directly to you, Brian. (laughs) Hi, Brian. Yeah, just imagine the puppet. And there were so many great monkey moments in this Mm-hmm. episode you can really see the development of the of Coulter and the monkey like they're actually on speaking terms now oh, that moment when she's like is she like don't talk to me or like don't come near me yeah. and then he just like really tentatively like climbs up and onto the window ledge next to her mm-hmm. and they just have this moment and she's like we'll think of something just like oh yeah Coulter. Oh, monkey. also when she's like i thought that he'd be here by now is she talking about will or as real Oh, interesting. I was wondering that when she said that line. Yeah. I hope yeah. Will. Mm. Because I don't think she gives a shit about us. Really. Yeah, I would hope that she doesn't. I don't think she would be relying on, or even thinking about relying on him in any way. Yeah. So I think it has to be Will. Yeah. 
Um, I would just like to quickly shoot on in here. Gomez and Ratty. Oh my god. Uh, that scene. With him like reaching for the demon, like what what? Very uh, odd. And very odd energy. It's it makes me wonder about what the hell backstory they wrote for Fro Pavel mm. because of the way that like Boreal spoke to him in seasons one yeah. and two when he was like ratty. <laughs> so mm. like Cause, yeah, because Boreal had a whole thing about like, I'm gonna expurge you, yeah. didn't he? And we were like, Well, what what is that? Like we were like debating on like is he is he gay and like they look down on that like what that was kind of the vibe it made yeah. it sound like really strange and and then the vibe here is kind of similar like it gives a sense of like i don't know there's like a weird sexual energy yeah. happening that i can't quite put my it finger is on very definitely a young beautiful but slightly threatening man interacting mm. with him and i think it is that thing of like he's kind of doing like a mrs coulter move in the Mm. way that he's speaking in terms of being like alluring but also threatening and that like softness of the way that he's holding his hand out and the softness of a lot of the way that he's speaking that is like is he flirting but then like what Mm. he's saying is so threatening that it's like yeah what what is this i think that is very mrs coultery actually now that i think about it like if she, yeah, if you wrong. gave that exact scene to Ruth, I don't know that she'd play it a lot differently. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Also, when he goes back to speaking of failure, yes. and he's like, "Oh, I've got the answer for you now." Like Lyra's with her mother. Do you think that he whipped him? Maybe. <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe. I'm sorry to laugh, but I would like. I would love love to have been a fly on that wall because I just imagine that it got sexual. I cannot. Well, but this is the thing. We know, we know. Father McPhail likes a little, a little pain, a little moment. Mm, We do with the candle. Like you know, he's a sucker for that. He. That's why he likes Gomez because Gomez is willing to, (laughs) to go the distance, if you will. Exactly, and he's all on about his like um, preemptive penance and all this stuff, and it's just, it's just, it's so. Yeah, it's it's giving very repressed, like, but also not repressed because they're all just whipping themselves on the back every day like that guy from um, (laughs) The Da Vinci Code. (laughs) Oh, fucking hell. So I would like to give a special shout out to Lyra and Mrs. Coulter. And when Lyra escapes the bed number one she's sleeping on a doily pillow bless her she's gonna have a right fucking mark on Absolute her face buffy summer's energy from right bedding yes the moment For i sure. saw it was like doily pillow joyce summer's mm-hmm. made this bed absolutely yep 100 <laughs> percent. and when she like begins to es- an escape first of all we see that she has like a kind of little alliance with lmp because lmp is like okay I see want to know what that was about. Mm. It's kind of, I guess it's Mrs. Coulter at odds with herself again, right? Yeah. She knows that she's doing the wrong thing by keeping Lyra there. And she's like recently come into this like love for her that she wants to protect her. And I guess there's one side of her that wants to protect, to protect her by any means necessary. But the other side, I guess, wants the best for her, I guess. Mm. And that would be like in a go. Yeah. So... Yeah, we get that. And then shout out to this scene, which I think is done so well. When Lyra gets out of bed, 
and like stumbles outside it's very much first of all there's like a really good close-up camera shot on her face mm. that's quite shaky that's give it that gives massive horror film vibes and it's really good and then also just the vibe of her being super slow it's like when you're in a dream and you can't run and you want to run and there's someone chasing you and you can only go really slow mm. and that gives that vibe and it's such like an intense scene i was wondering if they did something with the cameras because it felt like it was like wobbly at one point yeah and i was like are they just yeah. moving the camera around or are they like zooming in and out in a way that like lyra stays as like Daphne stays the same size, but you know how when you zoom funny as you move, it can like make you feel disorientated. It feels, I would have to watch it again, but it it like I said, it's very that the that particular shot that you're talking about is very like horror film vibes, and it gives me the vibe of those cameras that focus in on someone's face and hold someone's face, and everything else moves with the mm. face. Like do you know when you hold like a chicken and you move it and its head doesn't move? Yes, <laughs> kind of like that. But if you focus directly on Lyra's face. And then have all everything else like shaky and moving in the background. It's kind of like, it's maybe not exactly that, but it kind of gives me that vibe. Yeah. It's very like, there's definitely an intense zoom going on. And um, I wouldn't really call it like handheld shaky cam because it's not as intense as that. But there's definitely some camera mm. movement happening that that is not what we've seen on his dark materials before. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God. Just <sighs> that scene where they're sat against the rock. Mm-hmm. leaning and like again just i we know for when we spoke to daphne between seasons one and two that she loves that kind of scene that she loves playing out mm-hmm. those kinds of emotional scenes that are like intense and we know that that's what ruth excels at and that scene where they're just sat against the rock and they know like ruth yeah. like colt is feeling a little bit defeated because she knows she has to do this again to get lyra mm-hmm. to be safe to take her back to bed and Lyra knows she doesn't have the energy to run, but Coulter knows that what she's doing is the shit thing and that it will only make her make Lyra hate her more. And like Lyra knows that like maybe there's a bit of Coulter that wants to let her go. And it's just like that push and pull and that like inevitability. And because you know it's inevitable because you saw Coulter put the what I can only assume is chloroform on the handkerchief before she even went down there. She could have done yeah. that. Lyra wasn't going anywhere. She could have done that in front of Lyra and still got mm-hmm. her, but she did it right at the start. Her mind was made up to do it before she yeah. went and sat and had the conversation. And like, yeah, ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. So, Yorick. Oh, God. Yorick. Yeah. Well, Will has this epic montage. Yes, Trying to find Lyra. He meets the angels. The angels find Lyra. Will's on his way to find a find a bloody boat. And what does he find? A bloody bear. <laughs> <laughs> bloody does. I love the like um really nice juxtaposition of this is very similar to when Lyra first met Yorick in season one. Yeah. Yeah. And but this time Yorick's not the one who's been captured. It's Yorick's pal. And they have to they have to free her. But Yorick is still the one that has to be talked out of like not breaking oh, yeah. humans <laughs> yeah. again. He does do some breaking of humans before that. He does fl- uh, throw quite a few people he around. Does. When he like barges that guy, he gives him a big bump. It's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So cute when polar bears attack. <laughs> it, so cute, actually. Um, yeah, it's, it's just really a really nice scene. I think, again, like Amir 
like excels in this scene like he has some like really nice quippy lines with Yorick he's so happy to be with Yorick when they like walk off together after the fight and it's really cute yeah it's just so good like I love it and also we did ask Amir um about this and he did speak to us a little bit about working with Yorick and Joe Tanberg so we can play that clip yeah here well, it shouldn't have surprised me because I kind of know what Yorick looks like. But with that scene with Yorick, obviously I know what he's going to look like because it's a polar bear and we've seen it before. But kind of seeing it in its full form and seeing that scene, I was like, whoa, that's actually really, really cool. Because it was just Joe there standing there with his head, yeah. with his polar bear head kind of shouting me all day yeah. and following me about. Um, but seeing that kind of be put together always amazing me. All of that stuff with the animals and demons, from it going to a puppet. Um, to being a uh, kind of like a, a real life animal, mm. um, it's just like it. I don't know how they do it. To be yeah. it's like a clip show. I love it. <laughs> I know it really isn't it? it. Really is. No, I do. I do love that scene. I love how it parallels with um, with Lyra's version of that scene, and that we essentially end up in quite a similar place. It takes us to a boat for a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, to find yes. a friend that's lost. Yes. It's like, that's exactly what keeps happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so much of the series is about like just searching for a friend that you lost. And it's like, oh. Yes, and I loved that shot of them just disappearing off on the boat, Balthamos, mm-hmm. Will and Yorick together, just like friends sailing off. <laughs> yeah, it's really nice. One thing I guess to bring up, Two things, I guess. I guess to wrap it up, like, unless you've got anything else, but one is Gomez using a spy fly to find Coulter. That is, and Lyra, that is a new addition. It is. I like it because they introduced spy flies in season one and they yes. didn't find a reason to use mm-hmm. them. And I feel like, why not use a plot device that we already have written in to have this? I think it's great. Yeah. And him sniffing Coulter's clothes as well, like, fucking hell. <sighs> Was it Coulter's clothes or was it Lyra's clothes from Coulter's house? Is it the oh, is it Lyra's? Lyra is it wears mm. at Coulter's party? Oh, maybe it is. I think I'm like, yeah, it probably is, you know. Maybe. I can't remember now. Yeah. Yeah. But also, why do they have Lyra's clothes or Mrs. Coulter's clothes? They probably raided her flat whenever she disappeared off with, mm. with Lyra. Or... True. Who knows? Yeah. She probably had a part. Oh, I don't know, actually. I was going to say she probably had apartments there, but then Lyra's clothes would have no reason to be there. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, And then a question from me. Can Asriel just blur holes in the world wherever he wants now? How is he doing this? And how does he know exactly that it's going to get him back to the world that he wants to be in? It could. How, How has he got this control? A lot's happened in uh, two years and one whole one whole TV season. Uh, he's learned a lot since he fucking yeah. murdered Roger. Yes. Um, Rip Roger. And I forget how much more brutal the Roger murder is in the TV series as compared to in the books. Because in the books, it could be seen as an accident. Mm. But in the TV series, Roger literally dies yeah. in the cage that Asriel puts him in. So, like, there's no escaping it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess maybe he didn't need to kill a teenager to actually get what he wanted after all. Or maybe he just learned a lot from that one teenager mm-hmm. he did kill. <laughs> Poor Roger, dying for everybody else's reasons. Yeah. Was he even a teenager? I think he was a child. Hadn't even hit 13. Bless his little cotton no. socks. I mean, he has now that he's dead and he's grown. <laughs> 
oh yeah he has now that now that he's a grown-ass human yeah. playing a 12 year old yeah <laughs> yeah but i think like i i think do you have anything else that you want to talk about i think they were like my main points they were all my notes i guess my only other things that i want to kind of try and remember to speak about each episode are anything new in terms of like sets and scenery and locations that we've interacted with that we really want to talk Mm -hmm. about and any particular like costume highlights um Mm -hmm. my one mental note that i had about sets that i think that i will have many times through this is that the sets feel really theatrical in terms of not only like ooh, they're very spectacular etc but like they feel very like um this was brought up with um i think jane mentioned it when during one of the press interviews about how like even though it is a big show it's a huge show it's amazing they don't have the same kind of budget as a production uh-huh. like game of thrones as a production like any of the current star wars ones they don't have that budget but the mm-hmm. way that they do things is very very clever and i think you can see that in a lot of the scenery and yeah in the same the energy of like king of gunway's camp of like all the draping all the Mm -hmm. draped found fabrics of like this is a camp that's been made by like rebel people that yeah need to have things like rough and ready and like it's made from what they found is the same energy as like abandoned chitagatsi yeah fabric and the drapery and it feels very much like a theater production like you could drape those things on a stage and put a scene on a stage and have the same exact energy there yeah i just think that's really cool and Mm, i might mm -hmm. have feelings like that as we go through the series i'm not sure (laughs) (laughs) well well this is a place to wear out those feelings rich if there is ever a place um but no i get that i I love it i love whoever's designed that because they i would like to know what background they have and if it includes a lot of theater because i think a lot of those solutions Mm. are theater solutions and i really like that (laughs) yes yes yeah i mean costume wise there's nothing that i like lyra's pajamas i like lyra's pajamas will's clearly mm-hmm. got to change clothes in that backpack and he's rocking yep. his dad's coat still and i love that yeah i think he's got better boots this season yeah and i like that colter's got um a nice little blouse on some trowel she's quite like soft we're getting like soft colter not magisterium we're getting mm. non-colter and i like that yeah, yeah for sure absolutely and yeah the magisterium mm. boys are very neatly dressed <laughs> So. all in blue uh, the little yeah. boys in blue yeah yeah i'm excited to see because if this is like the base level of costumes of like this is where i start oh asriel's little army man costume that he's so bloody oh. proud of <laughs> he's like i might be a fancy general but i'm not gonna look fancy i'm gonna look rough and ready just like the blokes because i'm a bloke's bloke i'm a man's man that's what he thinks <laughs> absolutely that is 100 percent asriel james james mcavoy does rock it so it's fine he does <laughs> he's rocking he does it. he's enjoying it we appreciate it, it even with that man bun <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i mean overall i thought it was a good opening episode mm-hmm. i will say i guess we can say this because we have seen episode two and this one runs pretty much straight in to episode two you could very much watch them as one episode Yes. Um, which is essentially what we did when we watched we Sorry did. at the Screening. And it's what a lot of the folks watching on HBO will have done because they're running yeah. the episodes back to back, two at a time. So, yeah. yeah. But unfortunately, we are not recording our episodes back to back two at a time because we don't want to. So you're going to have to wait till next week to hear back from us about yeah. episode two. <laughs> Absolutely.
thanks so much for listening to this episode of Her Dark Materials. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HDMPod. And you can email us at herdarkmaterialspod at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at hdmpod.co.uk. If you want to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hdmpod. We also have a shop where you can buy merch featuring all original artwork from Rich. You can find it at hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop. I'm Faye, and when I'm not talking about Azrael and his man bun, you can find me talking about Paramore on my other podcast, Still Into You. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts and find us on Twitter and Instagram at Still Into You Pod. I'm Rachel, and when I'm not here chatting about Angel's shiny gold bronzer, I am making cute and magical art things. You can find me over on Instagram at RachMakes, on Twitter and TikTok at Rach underscore makes, and over in my online shop, RachMakes.co.uk. A huge thanks as always to Johnny Knott for your musical stylings. And an extra big thank you to the production team and the PR folks who helped us get access to the really awesome clips that you heard. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. And we'll see you in a week's time. And don't forget, keep telling stories and all will be well. Season three, baby. It begins. It ends. (laughs) Oh, no.